0: And welcome to Circumstantial Failures. My name is Matthew, your host. And for those who are new to the podcast, we meet with various fantastic guests every week who have been kind enough to share some personal experiences that haven't quite gone according to plan. And also to highlight why such experiences weren't to do with any personal shortcomings, but more to do with the circumstances surrounding them at the time. I'm extremely grateful to be joined today by Jamie Barlett. Jamie founded Polypay in 2013, and you and will be coming up to an incredible 10 years in business. Polypay works with a wide variety of businesses, offering a smorgasbord of payment services to its customers who range from traditional brick and mortar, e-commerce, mobile businesses, and everything in between. What differentiates Polypay from many of its competitors is their focus on providing a great customer service. However, it wasn't all plain sailing for Jamie. In her word, in her own words, she had to kiss a lot of toes before finding the right partner to start her business with. Now, though, Polypay operates in 11 states of America with ambitions to provide coverage across the whole of the country. So thank you so much for joining me today, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. That's great. So... um. I'm a bit conscious of doing Polypay a slight disservice. So could you um, explain, if I was to walk into a shop or go online, um, how would Polypay be involved in those transactions?
1: Sure. So in, uh, as you said, a traditional brick and mortar setting. So if you're walking into a shop and you're buying a a T-shirt or something, uh, someone might have something that's a little more basic, like a small tabletop terminal where you would either insert your card, swipe your card or a contactless payment payment. Those would be the services we provide. So we would set that system up for them, maintain that terminal for them uh, and make sure their funds go from A to B once they've been moved from your credit card to the merchant's card. Or maybe they have a big point of sale system at like a restaurant. You see those big terminals that have like table mapping on them and reservation management. So we handle the processing for that as well. Um, If you're online online, uh, you're going in to pay for something. We can actually hook into the back of uh, businesses' uh, websites, so their shopping carts. When you see you're checking out, and whatnot, or there's a pay link you get sent by a provider, hey, please pay here. Even or a pay to t- you know a text to pay. We can handle things like that. And then a third one we do is uh, if you're a mobile service, like maybe someone is taking payment on a cell phone or an iPad, uh, those uh, swiping devices that are attached to it, um, that we maintain and service those as well.
0: Awesome. That's that's a much better explanation as, <laughs> than I could have given. So that's great. Thank, Thank you, you, Jamie. Um, uh, So as I mentioned at the start, <clears throat> I've heard you describe your experience of finding the right partner for polypayers, like kissing various toads before finding your prince. Um, can you describe exactly what that was like and why some of them were so bad.
1: Sure. It's, <laughs> at, at its core, you know, payment processing or merchant processing processing is a pretty awful business. There's a lot of subterfuge. There's a lot of promises and not delivering. There's some really bad customer service in the industry. And when I decided to go into it, um, you have to kind of, if you're a smaller entity like me, we've gotten much bigger over the years, but initially you have to kind of partner with a bigger provider who's going to handle some more of the risk and the actual movement of the funds. Uh, We're more kind of the frontline person. And then they're kind of the ones moving the money from A to B on our behalf. And when I was looking for providers initially, I thought, oh, I probably would look good if I went with one of the really big older providers who's been around like 60 years, Uh, everything will go great there. And boy, it was, it was a mess, Matthew. It was, never got phone calls back from us, um, terrible customer service. So we were learning and knew. So if we had an issue, we had to call this behemoth to get an answer. They would never get back to us or take two or three days to get back to us. And, uh, you know, we looked bad in front of the customer. Um, another thing that would happen often was uh, we would uh, maybe if there was a question with a statement or there was a question with, you know, suddenly the fees were going up and we weren't in control of it at the time, which we are now. We had to answer to the customer, and frankly, they were raising rates and changing things and not telling us. And so, we looked wow. like we didn't know what we were doing. And I thought, I have got to find somebody whose morals and the way they operate align with ours. So, it took another two instances over a couple years, Matthew, of looking with working with people, testing them out. Um, we even t- to a point when we found a, the provider that we love and work with today, we literally pulled about 40 customers off of that old platform and put them on our new platform. And I'm so grateful for them for us for trusting us to allow to do that because I said it's it will do all the heavy lifting, but believe me, in the end, you're gonna have a better experience and we're gonna have better support for you. Yeah. That's
0: really interesting. When I when I heard you sort of say that, you know, your initial experience of starting Polypay. I imagined you sort of approaching smaller uh, businesses to partner with, uh, you know, sort of possible, I guess, chances or, you know, slightly unscrupulous, but it sounds like they were really big companies and and quite established. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, we thought, you know, you look at a name or a marquee name and I thought, oh, well, they've been around for 60 years. They must be great, you know, and I think those those entities that exist and it's pretty much par for the course with uh, other other entities of that size, uh, is, you know, they're so big, they don't really care about, you know, we were focusing on smaller businesses, mom and pop shops, initially, small storefronts. Frankly, to be honest, I'm sure they would say that would be the case. They just didn't care about small businesses like that. They already had so many, you know, tens of thousands of customers, that you know and bigger customers that when we would come knocking on the door here we were you know like this little tiny hamster at the door hello can you help us with our customer (laughs) they just kind of would slam the door in our face or we'd go to the end of the queue you know so we weren't bringing in enough money for them we felt at that beginning that they felt that we were worth the time and effort Um, and I wanted to find somebody who knew we were going to grow with them and that as long as they took care of us we were going to make sure we brought more business their way as to as well
0: yeah yeah and and just a Testament to your excellent customer service. You you still have your very first. Customer I do. That's, yes, that's, it's wonderful. It's been with you yeah. from the start. Yeah, it's
1: a women-owned business. They do like marketing and and like kind of swag and fun things like pens and all sorts of things like that. So yeah, they were the first one to take a chance on us, and uh, and they're still with us today. So I'm always so grateful for them that they've stuck around with us, and I'm proud to say you know that's a big selling point for us is we've never raised their rates. So for ten years, their rates have stayed the same.
0: yeah yeah Yeah. i mean that's a super rare thing that's uh that's really amazing yeah
1: um how how did you go about sort of the
0: logistics of is that forgive me sorry
1: i turned it off matthew i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i don't know who that i don't i have a home line and i don't even know why no one has the number so forgive me sorry it's off (laughs) we'll start over like that and scene okay
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um so, how did you go about sort of the logistics of starting PolyPay? Um, you know, what was what was that experience like? Yeah. And what was your first big? In, what was your first big investment? Yes, when, I, you know, when and you I, a I I
1: never thought I would start a business. I'm still very much an introvert to this day, and I thought, what had I done? I'm going to go into sales. I did, i had done consulting and marketing, but nothing like this. Um, so I came from a banking family. My dad was a banker for about 20 years, so he was very much. I tease, he's like the, if you think of like Mary Poppins, he's like the banker from Mary Poppins with like, all he's missing is the watch fob. I mean, literally three-piece suit, French (laughs) fob. So he was, you know, he instilled in me about being a good fiduciary for people, making sure you take care of people's money. So when I thought about starting a business, I thought, well, you know, I knew a bit about payment processing and consulting. And I thought, okay, well, I really knew nothing, Matthew. I I started talking, I looked at, I reached out to other people that were doing what I do now. And I kind of realized, really, I didn't like how they operated. I had some friends in the industry. I thought, I didn't want to be rude, but I thought, oh, I don't know. I don't like how you handle customers. So it was really me going out and finding other providers, talking with them, uh, doing some research. And again, like I said, it was a long path of, of looking for partners, interviewing people. Um people telling us to take a hike. You're like, oh, you're too small. You're too tiny. We don't want to talk to you. So I really knew next to nothing. And it was just, uh, I owe it all to just thank God to the internet and LinkedIn and reaching out to people and just asking, would you spend 30 minutes with me? Do you think this is a dumb idea? And a lot of people said, it's pretty dangerous industry to be in if you don't know a lot. But if you listen and you pay attention, then you're going to get where you need to be. And I feel like that's what we did.
0: Yeah that's amazing and what what was your sort of what what was one of your biggest costs would you say when you first started uh, your th- business? you know
1: I think it really it was people I, it was people uh, yeah. hiring people and yeah. then to be in this business to be a, an independent sales office as we're called an ISO so in the industry Matthew more than you'd ever want to know but there's people wandering around <laughs> that are just agents so they're working for like these big conglomerates and they're just kind of walking along the sidewalk get, getting deals on on behalf of them so they really don't have any cost other than shooting Leather walking around and then passing the deal yeah. to these larger entities. Well, we wanted to be one step above that, so we wanted to be certified. So there was quite a, mo- a lot of money involved in becoming not only trained in it, yeah. then you had to get certified, and then you had to pay for certification for MasterCard and Visa, which was extremely expensive. Um, but once you kind of had that certification, um, it definitely was a differentiator for you and there was a lot of t- more training involved in that so we felt like we knew a lot more than your typical person out on the street
0: yeah 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 okay yeah no I can I, I hear that mm-hmm. so um I, and, and you've just mentioned I've also heard you talk previously about your experience working um, as a consultant and, and elements of your consultancy was in technology yes um so my question is about um, it was about what a famous Business person actually once said, which was: all managers in technical area must technically be excellent. Managers in software must write great software, or it's like being a cavalier captain who can't ride a horse. Do you think that's true? <laughs> yeah. I could tell you a lot afterwards. If, yeah, no, was, I'm yeah. I'm curious
1: more about that. I think what was amazing to me was I came out of it was one of my first jobs out of college. I was an English and economics degree person. So I was I was in two as every either department said I was a sellout. So economics said, "What are you doing reading a Shakespeare under a tree?" and English said, "You're a capitalistic sellout," you know. And so I really had no tech background at all, Matthew. So when I I wanted to work for Accenture, it which was consulting for me, I yeah. um uh, I thought that was a good job because if you don't know what you want to do consulting is actually a great industry because you can have over the span of 6 years I worked there I think I felt like I had 9 jobs you get to jump yeah. from A to B which is great but I think what was fascinating to me and I learned a lot was I had zero technical background Matthew and I got work I got to work on Cisco projects Hitachi projects I had zero technical experience and they were just like, I couldn't believe someone was paying me basically to learn about their business and then come up with a solution. So it was kind of, I'm, I'm fascinated. I feel like maybe I, I, I am a bit of that, that description you're giving because I was sort of thrown on a horse and off you go. And I just sort of had to figure (laughs) out, I had to figure out what I was doing along the way. So it was a great skill, but I was grateful for the fact that, Basically, in these projects, these these large companies were willing to take on these relatively you know, new people um, because, yeah, maybe they didn't have the technical experience, but maybe they were bringing others, the other things in to come up with a solution for them. But, yeah, I'd love to hear yeah. more about that. I want more. more. Oh, it was it,
0: it was Elon Musk. Really? Who said OK, that. OK. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I didn't want to say his name. I mean, he's quite sort of right. <laughs> a bit yes. decisive, yes. divisive but um but i mean obviously you your business has thrived i mean you you know i guess you haven't written the 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 coding or the software that you use for so so yeah i mean you you would probably i would say buck that uh sort of idea absolutely. a little bit would absolutely you? but i think yeah. in in
1: bringing that up and maybe in in our previous conversations might be as good a point as any to, in talking about the technical aspect of it talking about a failure Um, about three or four years into us existing, um, as is my problem is I start to, that's why I have great team members that go, all right, Jamie, let's bring the blinders in. Because everywhere I look, it's like, oh, that's, you know, shiny ball for me. It's like, oh, there's another opportunity. There's another opportunity. They're forgetting, you know, there's a limited amount of funds and a limited amount of bodies and brain cells that can work on something. So a, a big thing we considered taking on and we worked on it for about a year and a half was we thought, oh, here we are, this relatively small business. Let's build a point of sale software that we can use for quick serve restaurants. And I literally went and found a an, an out of out of country development team and talked with them about yeah. it. And it was a, we put a ton of money into that, Matthew, a ton of money. A lot of effort, a lot of exhausted team members who not only the problem for us was we had to maintain that effort trying to code. We had a lot of great customers that were willing to give us time and feedback about, is this a good idea? Should we have this button? Should we not? But then on the other side of the house, we had to make sure that we weren't letting the other side die where it was the just the yeah. traditional Selling of point of sale services and 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 uh, any other technology they were looking for. So it was a very exhausting time frame where you felt like you had two very important children that needed nurturing. And <laughs> I felt like for a year yeah. and a half I was just going back and forth, back and forth. And my concern at the end that we ultimately decided not to go ahead with the point of sale uh, software was. It's like one child had to go, right? It's like there was in childbirth, it was like, <laughs> does the mother or the child go, you know? And I I said, We've yeah. got to, we'd spent too long building our reputation and our name and our solution uh, towards the traditional part of the business. So that's when we eventually just decided to jettison it after, you know, a lot of hours and a lot of money and a lot of help and feedback from customers, which I was grateful for. Um, they yeah. they they went above and beyond to give us feedback. When, as in any small business, they didn't have a lot of time, but they were willing to give us feedback.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's such an interesting story. Yeah, I mean, it's um, and that's great that you sort of came out the other side. I mean, you know, it can it can obviously. Um, those court of experiences can make or break a business and, right and, uh, and, and so but yeah that's really good wise- yeah and
1: realizing that you could that i could our team could not that it was good to go above and beyond to try that second effort but then we realized once we jettisoned that idea i i realized Hey, team, we still do have enough ahead of us. We have more ability. So we really were able to, we were so relieved after we kind of got rid of that effort that we were able to really double down on our traditional side of the business. And that's where we really experienced some great growth uh, when we realized how much we could nurture and feed that side. So we really did redouble our efforts and and it's been fantastic ever since then.
0: Yeah that's amazing so you really learned from that mm-hmm. from that time mm-hmm. and yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's brilliant mm-hmm. um so before uh, before setting up Polypay, i've heard you speak about your time working for really big companies um sometimes over 100,000 people mm-hmm. and that you felt that that was going to be a long term option for you so how risk averse would you say you are and has your risk tolerance changed? Oh, my gosh,
1: immensely. (laughs) I I thought I thought I was going to be truly Matthew, I thought I was going to be that person that, you know, worked at the same company for 40 years and got the gold watch. And I was like, I'll just be fine clocking in every day and and, (laughs) you know, taking my briefcase home and leaving my problems at my desk and going to live my own life. And You know, working both of the entities I worked at had significantly older workforces, so they were trying at the time. And this would be maybe my mid twenties to early early thirties. Um, So they were trying to recruit a lot of younger people. So I was a part of that effort. That's how I came to both of those groups. But the problem was, I felt like they were talking out of two sides of their mouth. They wanted the younger people on board. But the the older individuals, and this is going to sound like a cheap shot, but really it's not. I mean, they wanted our feedback. They wanted us to sit in on calls. They wanted us to be creative problem solvers. But every time we would try and have conversations or bring up suggestions, it was almost met with a bit of hostility and a bit of fear, like we were trying to take over their position or try and point out weaknesses in their system. And really we were just looking to, you know, renew and rebrand efforts and, and try and cast a wider net to the people we wanted to come and work at the companies. And, and I, at that, the last company I was with probably over about a, it took about a year for me to get to a point where I was like, I think I'm actually going to start my own company. I never, I never thought that. So to answer your question, (laughs) risk averse back then times a million, I mean, I, you yeah. know, I, I, this was someone who I, you know, lived with lists and I, was never late and I was on, you know, I never, you know, never, never took a chance on anything. Um, and I think it was amazing. I got to a point when I realized I wasn't living the life I wanted to, I wasn't getting anywhere. And I thought, how amazing would it be to have your own shingle hanging out and you just get to come in one day and you decide and you tell your team, you know what, we were going to go left, we're going to go right. And I thought that sounds so exciting. And I think that's what overcame my fear. Um, and my fear of being risk averse, I thought, uh, yes, that's terrifying, but so much runway ahead. Um, and so I said, yeah. I'm still definitely risk averse. But uh, I would say, um, I think with the way the world's gone with the pandemic and things like, you know, life is too short. And and I would rather live with a little bit of regret and a lot of fun and a lot of amazing things we could do on behalf of customers. So I, I, I think when I look at that, I may be 10% as risk averse as I used to be. Not reckless, I'm not reckless, but I'm just no no. Maybe the word is cognizant. I'm just very cognizant of where I'm going. Oh, yeah. I think that's the phrase. Yeah, yeah. so not not yeah. wild, but definitely a lot a lot uh, less stuck in my way than I was before, for sure.
0: <laughs> just still keep lists.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh my goodness, I've got I've got <laughs> books and bo- you know lists here, and I live in paper everywhere. And there's pa- yeah, I'm a post-it yeah. note. People come in and go, where are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm very much. I don't like surprises. I'm. Yeah, they. They. Cra- I'm so.
0: So you kept that. Oh uh, yeah,
1: I can go uh, back I and forth. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I live in two worlds for sure.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so you've also described yourself as an introvert. Um, do you think that introverts are more likely to build more successful businesses, or do you think they are more likely to create? Better working environments for their teams.
1: Gosh, that's wow! That or is, both? Yeah, that's a great question, Matthew. I have to. It's almost like I, I don't want to cheat and say it's both, but I think introverts. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, it's
0: tricky. Yeah. I'll have a hybrid. <laughs> I'll
1: have a hybrid answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that introverts are very good at listening. Um, I think uh, I'd, I'd least like to say I'm a I'm a pretty good listener. I think when it, when it comes to the business I'm in and maybe for most businesses I think the problem is a lot of people don't listen to their customers. I think they come with this, you know, look, I did the, I I did my work. I've come up with this preconceived notion. This is the solutions we're going to provide. You have to pick from a B or C and there's no deviation. We can't, you know, like in a restaurant, you can't substitute one, one, one side for the other. And I don't think that's realistic. So I think introverts are very good at listening digesting and then kind of coming up with an idea. You just have to be strong enough to overcome that wanting to sit against the corner, you know, and and hold your hand back. You've got to raise your hand and talk. So I think introverts are very good at that. Uh, Again, with the point of, I think introverts being observant, and I know that's very much the case for me with the previous places I worked. I think you're very much a product of your environment Um, And my work environment for my team is probably second to none, because I think when you hire people and they can go anywhere, right? I mean, everybody has to have a job. Everyone, you know, unless you've been born into a trust fund, God bless you. That's wonderful. (laughs) But most of the world, you know, we have to get up and go somewhere every day. And I think that that's very special that if someone chooses to come and give you their time every day, five days a week, if not more that it's up to you to put them in an environment that's going to make them feel safe and heard and excited about what they do. And I hope if my team is listening in one some capacity, I think they would agree. I think we have a very fun, open door policy that's a lot of great conversations and sharing um, and I think that the I love that line. I forget who, I, I, and it's a famous person too, Matthew. But I can't remember who said it. But it's you. The thing is, to hire people smarter than you, surround yourself with them, and let them do their job. Um, so I'm not. I can't. Recall. If I
0: had access to Google, I could quickly find. <laughs> I'm about, I
1: think it was a president. Actually, I'm pretty sure. I think it was. All oh, right. But um, I, I think that's important too. So I think um, it, it's a split answer to that. But I think being an introvert and in those other environments where I worked and seeing how what a bad boss was like, how not being heard was like, how kind of having your soul a bit, you know, crushed a bit where you just didn't want to go into work because you knew you were going to get the same answer every time you made a suggestion. So that really taught me how to be a better boss and how to how to make sure I provided a safe and an excitable, you know, exciting environment for my team.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it must be quite interesting. You you obviously started your business and I guess most people, I mean, I'm sort of assuming most people start a business are, are generally sort of a bit of an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, does that, you know, do, do you ever sort of see people or maybe mention to people who are starting their businesses? Oh, you know, maybe you could you know, step back and listen a little bit more. Or yeah, you know, yes, uh, I think
1: definitely people. Um, when I go to networking and advance uh, or things, I can see people, yeah. and they're great. Maybe they're great salespeople. I think extroverts probably make more better salespeople than they are more on the executive side. So I like to say I do a bit of sales on on the side myself. But often to this day, still my business is is the way we operate. It's not a boiler room. We don't dial for dollars. Like we go out and you know yeah. either it's as someone we've met or we go out there and we just beat the street and 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 go into businesses and talk to them and to this day the introvert side of me is oh man i i have to some days i'm like i'm going to go into three businesses today and i've been in this business 10 years it's still very much where i'm like okay come on you can do this like go in there like and hello so you know that introvert side i think is uh, definitely i think introverts make better kind of um executives and People that are are looking, listening, and looking back, and looking at strategy, looking at the long run for things. And then I love—I've got a bunch of great extroverts that you know you can tell them to take a hike, and they're like, "That's okay. See you later." Like they can, you know, <laughs> everything just falls yeah. off of them if they they can go into a, a twenty businesses a day, and, and they're very good at that. I don't think I could do that, so that, that's why I said I'm great. I have them. I can deploy them, yeah. and then when I want to, I can go in my office and go, "All right, I'm going to just work on quarterly stuff."
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. That's yeah. And and we we spoke a little bit just before we started recording about um the the mentoring that you that you do and that you still do. Yes. Uh, are are there any people that 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 you mentor that are interested, obviously, doing something similar to what you did, starting their own business, you know? And your response is possibly like mm, maybe your circumstances, maybe your situation, or maybe your you know maybe your some of your personal you know situation isn't quite right for you to for for you to do yes
1: I think and I know we talked a little bit about how social media romanticizes the entrepreneurial world and I think the pandemic had a a one great uh, um, cast off was that people had the time to think about their current situation and go you know what I don't like what I'm doing I'm going to do something else but there's a flip side to that where I think people felt like they had to go and do something like everybody's starting, you know, their own business. I should start my own. And I I tell people that I talk to and mentor, you know, I think they get afraid and think I'm running out of time. Like there's a gal I talk to a lot that's in her early twenties and she feels like she wants to start her own business, but she feels like she's going to lose out. I go, my God, you're you're only yeah. in your 20s. You have your whole life ahead of you. You got to be sure, you got to have some good and bad experiences before then because you got to, like I did, you've got to take those lessons with you and it's going to make a better experience for you. So I think the biggest thing is that social media scares people into thinking they're wasting time. They could be out there chasing the almighty dollar. I think you have to be ready in your mind for, like you said, maybe your personal situation isn't ready. Maybe you don't have enough money saved up yet. Maybe you really haven't decided what yeah. you're going to offer yet. Um, so I, I would encourage people too. I think that take the time. There is so much time in this life. Yes, life goes by yeah. fast. But I tell people whenever they've started business, you know, I felt like I was late. I was in my mid thirties. I thought, oh my just, god, I'm ancient. Yeah. You know, I thought I'm ancient. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I it's, this is going to take me forever and. I think it was important because I got to a point where I was upset enough. I was at that point where I thought, no, I'm going to do this. And that's when you really know you're going to go full force at it. I think a lot of people drag themselves into the entrepreneur world and then they just don't feel like they want to put any effort into it. And then it fails. And then they think they've done something wrong where maybe it was really just timing and and where they need their mindset.
0: And I've heard you say, say, you know, you you shouldn't feel that you're too late to to start. Uh, something. Yeah. You know, you're like, Oh, I've missed the boat. Yes. You know, yeah. Just stick That's what, what I doing. felt like.
1: And I think, no, depending on where you're going and depending on how long you want this, you know, whatever your outside is going to look like, are you going to sell the company? Are you going to bring on another partner? There's a lot of different factors, but I think there's enough time and, and opportunity for everybody in this world. You just have to take the time to really decide what that's going to be what's what are you going to make that's going to differentiate you uh, there's enough business in this world for everybody if you really if if you work towards yeah. creating a great service or product that the, the market is out there
0: yeah yeah and and my last question um i've i've heard you sort of say you're you you're constantly having to keep an eye out for your competition um are you are you aware of the, the term like a lifestyle business? Yes. And yes. if, yeah, okay. Yes. I mean, have you ever, have you, you know, do you feel like lifestyle businesses are are, are generally run by those that are more likely to, to kind of come a cropper or, you know, sort of have issues with their competition? Uh, yeah, I, I think you can't,
1: you know, I, uh, I think everybody would love to be in a lifestyle business, right? Where you're just <laughs> kind of cruising in when you want to. And, yeah. and I think everybody as a business owner maybe has bouts of that, but you really can't relax. I mean, you can't, especially in our business, this is a very, very crowded market. Um, but what's fascinating to me is, uh, fortunately for us, if you, you know, in this business, if you just do the right thing, I don't understand why in businesses, you just do the right thing, do what you're say you're going to do, take care of your customer, answer the phone when they have a problem. It's amazing. If you do the right thing, customers stick around. I think people yeah. just get a bit lazy and I think they get, um, they start to take their customers for granted, but I, I would never, even though I feel comfortable with not losing our customers, Every day, you know, I, I love that line, and that's uh, that's from a, a, a book, a Wallace Stegner book, Angle of Repose. There's always the young bull and the old bull, and and there's oh, always right. somebody coming up behind you that is looking for you, and that's what should keep you moving every day. Not only should you yeah. obviously be in competition with yourself, but there is always somebody behind you that's richer, smarter, faster. And they're coming for you. And you gotta, you've gotta keep that. That's what's gotta be on your tush every day when you wake up. And especially in our industry, it's it's rife with a lot of people. But I feel fortunate, as I said, I'd say 95% of the people in our space just don't do the right thing. They they take yeah. shortcuts and they they want the quick buck and, and they don't care if eventually the customer wakes up, finds a polypay or something like us, and then they lose them. They're like, ah, oh, we'll find somebody else. I don't want to lose anybody yeah. for any reason. And I think if that's your mindset, then you, you can't do anything but succeed.
0: Yeah. No, that's 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 amazing. No, thank you, Jamie. That's really good. And and as you said, you know, for anyone who's looking to um You know, access some payment solutions. You know, please get in touch with Polypay.com, and they would be very, very happy to help you. Uh, They, uh, as as Jamie talked about, you know, their focus is on great customer service. There's no hidden fees. There's no hard selling, and you won't be tied into a contract that you'd later regret. So, um, yes. So please get in touch. Thank you so much for your time today, Jamie. It's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. It's been a delight. I appreciate it.